Is there a medical malpractice carrier in the house? Doctors across the country have asked that question with fewer and fewer companies willing to offer them coverage. But tort reform may be changing that, thus bringing more options for the nation's physicians. Welcome to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Sheldon Davido, president of Medicus Insurance Company, a malpractice carrier that actually has its investors excited about getting into the medical malpractice business. Davido is responsible for all corporate operations of Medicus. He joins us today from Austin, Texas, where the company is looking to expand in a number of states. Davido has more than a quarter century of insurance expertise, including executive positions with Advocate, MD Insurance Company, and The Doctor's Company. Welcome, Mr. David O. Thank you, Bruce. Good to be with you. Well, so tell me, what kind of crazy investor would put up money to start an insurance company when in recent years, it seems all the medical profession hears about is doctors wanting to leave states and give up the business? Well, I would describe them more as savvy Wall Street investors who have been in the market and very sophisticated in the insurance investment area and actually have made a lot of money in that area. So they believe that this trend toward tort reform is making a world of a difference in terms of the investment opportunity and the benefit for the doctors. Give our listeners an idea of how much they are investing, because sometimes over the course of the years, companies have come and companies have gone. What we arranged with our investors, and by the way, our lead partners in this are the Cypress Group out of New York and CHL Medical Partners out of Stanford, Connecticut. We arranged a $100 million Series A facility that we can draw down on. We've taken $15 million down initially, and it's our plan to take down another $40 million within the next six to eight months. So how many states are you going into and give the medical professionals out there an idea of where they may see Medicus, and why would they be going in some of these states? Well, as I said, the original plan has been to look at tort reform states primarily and then to look at other states where we think that the market offers us an opportunity. Currently, we are licensed in Texas, which is our home state, in Nevada, Illinois, Missouri, and we've just recently filed in Kansas as well. It's our intention to be in at least five more states before the end of the year. And is there an overall goal? I would describe our intent to be a super regional carrier rather than a national carrier. We don't think that we want to be in every market. We think that there are now over 30 states that have adopted tort reform, 35 that have attempted to do so. We think that that's our primary interest, but we're looking at national programs as well. And given us an idea of the legislative landscape, for tort reform. In Illinois, for example, in 2005, they signed a malpractice law that was aimed at lowering the high costs of medical insurance. They included a cap on awards for pain and suffering at 500000 for individual physicians and a million for hospitals. But the federal legislation didn't really go anywhere. And so I suppose that uh, it depends on where some of the state legislation goes. Uh, how is it looking? And also, are there other states that are still considering tort reform? Well, Medicus was designed, as I say, to take advantage of tort reform. So Illinois was a logical place for Medicus to set up. We will stay in Illinois regardless of whether tort reform is upheld, but we think it's excellent reform. Medicus did the same thing in Texas and Nevada where reforms have been passed and Missouri. We think that 
the trend in the states remains fairly strong. I never actually thought that the national reform would pass. There's too much of a partisan debate that to allow that to occur. It seems that the closer you get to the people on the ground, the more likely it is that people understand that these are real wrenching decisions about whether or not you're going to get affordable and available health care. Would federal tort reform do anything anyway? It seems like any kind of insurance anymore is so regulated at the state level. I often wondered, what would federal reform do for people anyway? Well, I think the intent was to create some form of a preemption on the states. But as a practical matter, I agree with you. I think that this is essentially a state-regulated industry, and most of the major changes and efforts will be on the state level. What about West Virginia, Pennsylvania? It seemed like those were where a lot of horror stories were, where doctors were fleeing these rural markets and so forth. Any movement in those areas? Yes. Medicus actually were looking at a number of these additional states for entry. West Virginia is an interesting example is uh, what was called and still is a judicial hellhole by a lot of the reform groups. But where there's been meaningful tort reform and where we think that there is an opportunity, Mississippi is another state that a lot of people view as a judicial hellhole and a backwater, but where there's been reform. And I could probably go down a list of another 15 of them. Um, the market has stabilized. The doctors have decided to stay in practice, and people are getting better availability of health care. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson with the Chicago Tribune, and I'm speaking with Sheldon Davido, who's the president of Medicus, and he comes to us from their headquarters in Austin, Texas. And we're discussing tort reform, and this is among many companies that are suddenly seeing an opportunity in the marketplace where there has been tort reform, and they're returning to physicians across the country and offering them malpractice coverage when we know that many recent years a lot of companies have folded up their tents and left doctors which have caused doctors to leave states and left their patients often without a physician. Mr. David O, could you tell us in some of these states they have dominant carriers and so they might look at a company like Medicus, these physicians, and say how do we know that some of these new players are committed for the long term Sometimes it's cyclical. I mean, we have a situation now where the stock market is very volatile, and sometimes that affects reserves and so forth. How do we know that companies such as yourself or others are going to be in this for the long term? Well, I think that what I'd suggest for the listeners and the doctors that are interested in evaluating is not the longevity of the company as being the key factor. Clearly, that's a factor. But they really need to look at what I consider to be the three fundamentals that Medicus thinks it's putting forward as a value proposition. One of them is medical leadership. You need to have doctors involved in the decision-making in the company. The second one is insurance expertise. You need to be sure that you've got some people with really strong experience who know how to run one of these companies without making favoritism choices. And the third one is financial strength. I think that while there are some large incumbents out there, there are very few companies who offer all three of those. I happen to have worked at one time for what is the largest doctor-owned company in the country, the doctor's company, and one lesson I took from that was that they made a concerted effort to provide those three items. 
I think that with all due respect to some of our competitors, there are some people out there and carriers out there that are very large, but I think that people will find that Medicus really represents the kind of broad strength that most doctors are looking for. And when you talk about favoritism, what do you mean by that? I think that there are, I know in different states, there are doctors that some were let in and provided coverage and some were not. Some they allowed uh, residents coming out of medical school with low risk. What's going on out there? Well, I think you've nailed it. The problem that we've seen in the marketplace is that decisions are not always based on who should be in the lifeboat. We ensure good quality doctors. That's what we do for a living. A lot of the larger carriers were started by medical associations and their philosophy, and they're entitled to it, is that they're going to ensure all doctors and that all doctors, good and bad, will simply share in whatever the costs are good doctors and bad doctors. We don't believe that's a fair proposition for good doctors. And how do you go about it? Perhaps what are other things that doctors should look for in this? I mean, is there more transparency in some of these tort reform laws or things that they could look at on a website? And how do we know where to proceed? Well, I'm certainly going to invite people to look at our website, if you don't mind, which is www.medicusinsurance.com, and there you'll see some of the underlying precepts that people should look for. But in a nutshell, I think that people need to look at whether or not the policy has an incident-sensitive trigger. That means that doctors are encouraged without penalty to report any incident rather than only being allowed to report something when it becomes a written demand for payment. The ability to be able to get in early to resolve a claim and to fight ferociously against frivolous claims is the key to being able to protect physicians. That's one major element. There are a whole host of other policy benefits, and again, I direct people to our website at medicusinsurance.com where we lay those out in some detail. What do you think went wrong? I mean, if we have certainly tort reform, but when people know that some carriers and investors are sort of driven by the market, should the volatility at Wall Street and even the credit markets, should that concern physicians at all when they're looking and when they're shopping for coverage? I think there's been a lot of discussion about whether the rate of return on investment for insurance companies has been the driver for whether or not rates move up or down. It tends to be a trial lawyer argument. My view has always been that the real driver is whether or not companies are vigilantly defending claims where it's appropriate and paying where people have actually suffered losses and knowing the difference between the two. I feel very strongly, and our company at Medicus feels very strongly, that what you need to be able to do is not feed alligators. And there's been a real tendency in the past to simply run away and hide when people brought false claims. By the same token, I think that there's been a change in the environment, and that's why you see the tort reforms. People have finally woken up to the fact that there's a difference between taking care of people who've been legitimately hurt and simply giving people a sweepstakes victory, and that they end up paying for that victory if, in fact, they throw the money at them. Do we also know where doctors can go to insurance department websites, or are there any consumer groups out there, sort of a consumer reports for malpractice companies or 
some sort of a seal of approval for doctors to look at when they're evaluating companies? Yes. The insurance departments in each state very carefully monitor the admitted insurers. And by admitted, I mean that they've gone through the process of being scrutinized by the department and are regularly filing reports with them as to their financial strength and their management direction. So any of the state departments of insurance are the right place to go. I want to draw a very important point here for the listeners. Those companies like Medicus that are fully admitted carriers subject to the guarantee laws in the various states, which means that in case anything ever happened, the doctors would be compensated, are far and away a better risk than some of these smaller carriers that are undercapitalized and really are just operating without any kind of regulatory scrutiny. Well, thank you very much. I want to thank Sheldon Davido, who has been our guest. I'm Bruce Japson, and you've been listening to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, uh, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.